Well, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about spiritual battle, about spiritual warfare, understanding spiritual warfare. Hey, why don't we just read these verses and we'll get them under our belt and out there real quick. John 10, 10. See, this is what I love. I, I don't have to crack open my Bible hardly anymore. Is that a good thing? I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It probably isn't a good thing. It's not a good thing. I know. Hey, I do crack it through the week. I want you to know that it, it does get read through the week. John 10, 10 familiar. The thief does not come. Who's the thief? The devil. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I want to stop there for just a minute. You understand that when the enemy comes your direction, it isn't just to harass you. It isn't just to, to give you a bad day. I mean, it may start out that way, but his plan ultimately in your life is to kill you. You've got to get that in your system. He's not out just to cause a little upheaval. He's out to just utterly destroy his people. So says it here, does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life, praise God, and that they may have it more abundantly. Now let's leap over to 1 John 4, 4. And I love this one. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, meaning all of those that seek to thwart you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so as we get started on this whole subject, I just want to sow into you instantly that when you sign up and you're on God's side, you're a winner. But the key to winning is you got to enforce it. You know, you can, you can be the greatest sports team uh, in whatever, baseball, football, basketball. You can be legendary. You can have all all-stars. You can, you can uh, you know, have most valuable players. And all of these things can be on your team. But if you don't take the court, it's, it's no good. If you don't get on the field, nothing's going to happen. And so um, we're going to talk just a little bit about the battle tonight. Um, I want you just to know, if you want to know how real the enemy can be, if you're not convinced he's, he's real and he's operating, let me just share something with you. Guys, uh, this weekend, this past weekend, Pastor Manning Strickland was with us. And um, he took us through basic training, every man's battle. He, he shared precepts and he gave us the exhortation about being uh, sexually faithful, to make sure that we're, we're operating in fidelity with regards to the sexual aspect of our lives. He, he uh, shared wonderful insight. He, he talked on Sunday morning with all of us here about the entrapment of the web, the World Wide Web. And it's just, it was just good stuff. We just had a good weekend, a good Sunday, just all, totally good stuff. Now, I, I want to share this with you. This was amazing to me. When I got done with service on Sunday morning, I went to my office relatively quickly. I usually go through there and, and get rid of my things and try to get out to the foyer and greet people. And uh, I had a, a message on my phone. I got a new Evo phone, which is really cool too, but that's another story. But um, So I hit, the, I hit the button and it had a, a message there from what looked to be an 800 number. So it was a credit card uh, watch. You know, they, they have those people that will flag things so your credit card isn't used for uh, wrong purposes or unrighteous purposes, and apparently it had flagged uh, something, and so I, I just called it up there. And the guy on the other end uh, asked me all the questions in order for me to access, you know, what information he needed to share with me. 
And uh, he told me that there was a transaction that occurred. Listen to this. This is this past Sunday. A transaction had occurred at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, where would pastor have been at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning? Yeah, you all saw me, right? Okay, I want to, because where this story goes, it's good that you saw me. 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, he said this transaction was trying to go through. And, and he told me, and I didn't recognize it. I said, wow, that is so weird. And I said, what could this be? And he was hesitating. And I said, no, really, I mean, you're, what, what could this be? And he said, well, in all likelihood, listen to this, it was somebody trying to access an adult website. Now, is that not interesting that we just go through a weekend talking about the ensnaring of the web and then on Sunday morning, you go to your phone at 9.30 a.m., somebody had tried to, and by the way, it was the church credit card trying to use it to uh, access uh, an adult website. And he told me, this is what the guy told me. The guy told me, he said, listen, uh, because, because, you know, I'm going, hey, listen, we, we don't do that round here. And, you know, and, and you're just talking to this guy on the other end of the phone and you're thinking the whole time he's going, yeah, sure you don't, you know. And, and he said, no, listen, he goes, this happens all the time because they get your number and then they start playing with your credit card number and they go to sites like this and they keep using it until they finally hit it. And once they hit it, then they've got your number and then they can go do the, you know, the big things that they want to do on this thing. And that's just how they do it. We, we see this all the time. And I said, well, we don't see this all the time. And uh, I said, furthermore, it has a lot more, uh, it has a lot more meaning to me at this moment than you could even begin to imagine. Now, we'll keep it at that. Later that uh, day, I got through the mail. I had not gotten the mail for a day or two. I was going through the mail. And the church actually has two cards. One is, one is for trips and, and one is for the other things of the ministry. And, and somebody had gotten the other card and had done a transaction on it. This one was purchasing some tools and stuff that it wasn't ours either. So I had to... So, so in the span of about 48 hours, I had two credit cards that had to be shut down. It had to be, you know, had to be contested. All that will be worked out. It's not that big a deal. And, and it totally had to shut down. Now, let me just go to the next one. Then my Facebook account got hacked. Isn't that terrible? And I mean, I've got a major code on that thing. I mean, you just can't get into that. Well, my, then my Facebook got hacked into and, you know, I just started thinking to myself, you know, if, if you aren't getting a little resistance now and then, it may mean that you aren't doing much. Uh, I understand the enemy can attack anyone at any time for any reason. But I'm just, I'm just sharing with you, if you think those particulars are just coincidence, I don't think so at all. I, that's how it starts. Now, is, was he trying to upset my day and upset my rhythm and upset my, my practices? Well, sure. But ultimately, that's not what he was trying to do. Ultimately, what the enemy wants to do is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Ultimately, you got to hear this. Ultimately, the enemy isn't just about trying to thwart and hinder uh, a church. He's about destroying it. And, and he will do whatever he can, whenever he can, to kill that's his job description, to kill. And unfortunately, he's been way too good at it in too many people's lives. So it's incumbent upon us as the people of God to realize that we've been called to a battle. You say, I don't want to go to battle. Tough. 
You're in it. The moment you said yes to Jesus, it was as if you got a t-shirt with a bullseye on the back of it. You're in a battle. You say, I don't like that. I'm sorry. You have now become a threat to the domain of darkness. And because of that, um, you're going to uh, have interactions with the enemy or one of his underlings. Now, the good news, I'm going to go back to the good news. The good news is this. You and I have all authority necessary not to just break even, not to just get by or to slide by or to get some relief. You and I have all authority necessary to prevail, to win. And we're going to spend the month of September sowing into you You are a winner. If you don't begin to believe that and think that and function out of that, it will never take place in your life. I can't get to preaching what I'm going to talk about this weekend. But the Israelites did not get into their promise initially, not because they wouldn't go to the battlefield. It's because they lost the way they should have thought. They thought wrong and they just, they they lost before they ever got to the battle. So we're going to have to get inside of people and just drill inside of them, Jeremy. You can win. You, yes, you can win. All of you can win, but you've got to arise and get to the battle. So we've got to understand a little bit about spiritual warfare. I can see right now, Matt, we are not going to make it together, bud. All right, let's talk a little bit uh, about God's original intent. In the first three chapters of Genesis... You know the first three chapters, creation, fall, and all that took place. You understand what took place with Adam and Eve. They were given freedom in order to partake of any uh, fruit or aspect of the garden except for one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of that tree they were not to partake of. There's wonderful things we could, we could glean out of that. But along comes Satan in the form of a serpent, and he begins to, he begins to test whether or not uh, these two original people would, would maintain the mandate they were given from their God. And the whole issue, whenever I look at those first three chapters of Genesis, the whole issue revolves around this one thought. Who's going to rule? You need to get a hold of that. Who's going to rule in your life? Who's going to rule in your circumstance? Who's going to rule... In all of the situations you face, who's going to rule? Who's going to rule in your garden? Who's going to rule in your house? Who's going to rule in your relationship? Because the very first issue that couple faced was the question, who's going to rule? And this is what man's predicament was in that initial interaction with the enemy in the Garden of Eden. He was in a predicament because this was the issue. Man, and I'm talking about man and woman. I'm just using it in the generic sense. Man did not know how to handle a spiritual adversary. They didn't know what to do with this. And because of that, they were led into destruction. And and warfare, this was what was neat. Warfare originally was unnecessary. Uh, Yes, the enemy showed up, but it was unnecessary in the sense that it was pretty simple for them. They could have walked away. I mean, that's pretty simple warfare, isn't it? Just, Just walk away and go eat off another tree. But they did not know how to handle this adversary. And I've often uh, taught this, and and many of you know this. I believe, this is what I believe. I believe there was the first Adam and the first Eve. And that ultimately there was a second Adam that came along. Who was the second Adam? 
Jesus. Paul said he was the second Adam that came along. And I believe there's a second Eve. Because who's Jesus married to? His church. Exactly. And so, so just as there was a first Adam and a first Eve, there's a second Adam and there's a second Eve. And, and this is so important that you get revelation of this because it's interesting that it was not Adam who originally grabbed the fruit. It was Eve. Now, now, you know, ladies, I know you take a hard time on that, but, but, but Eve was the one that, that functionally took the fruit to begin with. She was the one that started it. Yes. Listen to this. She functionally took the fruit. She handed it to Adam, who was standing there the whole time. I don't know what he was watching, I guess, ESPN or something. I don't know what was going on with Adam. But, but she handed the fruit to him, and he partook of the fruit as well. So they're both in trouble, right? But the Bible tells us that when it comes to staining us, that the curse did not come through Eve, but it came through Adam. Adam. And, and, and so Adam was the one that provisionally stained the whole human race. In other words, you and I were born in sin because, not because of Eve. Now, Eve got it started, but it was Adam who brought it down to us. So, so Adam was the one that got all of us in this room in trouble, Adam. So what happened? There was a second Adam that came, right? And this second Adam, this is really cool. This second Adam came, Jesus. And, and this is what's so interesting. Do you, do you know that many people believe, and I don't know whether we can prove this or not, but that the actual garden of Gethsemane that Jesus prayed in before he went to the cross, many believe that to be the site of the original garden of Eden. Many believe, and I, if you'll remember it in that uh, Mel Gibson, Passion of the Christ, remember he was praying and he was under that tree. There are many, now again, you won't find this in the scripture. This is through other, other things that have just been speculated on. This isn't something to bleed and die over. But literally, you know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was there, the head of the serpent was, was provisionally crushed. When Jesus said, if this cup can pass, let it, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And it was at that point that the second Adam, he went to the cross, he died and became the substitute for our sins. He went even to the very gates of hell to preach liberty to the captives. Risen on the third day, prevailed according to Colossians uh, 2.15, excuse me, that, that he disarmed all powers and principalities. Matt, I'm not going through my notes. If you're looking, it's, we're, just, we're off in another direction here. He, just, he disarmed all powers and principalities, and he made public display of them. That's the second Adam. And so the second Adam brought to us the victory that the first Adam lost. Are you with me? Now, hear this again. I'm going to go back. Eve functionally took the fruit. She gave it to Adam. Adam provisionally stains the race. The answer shows up. Second Adam comes. He provisionally redeems the whole human race. You understand, Jesus died for all. It says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so he has come as the sacrifice for all the world. The provision of the cross Everything necessary for yours and my victory is now found in the second Adam. But here's the cool part. The cool part is, is just as Eve functionally took the apple and she handed it to the first Adam and he messes us all up. The second Adam comes and he provisionally redeems the whole human race. But this is what he allows us to do as the church. He allows us the privilege of functionally enforcing 
the authority that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection, he allows us the privilege of enforcing that or functionally taking it back to the enemy. To where Paul would say later in Romans 16, 20, when he prayed for the church at Rome, he says, I pray shortly that the God of peace would soon crush Satan beneath what? Whose feet? Your feet. He didn't say God would sweep in and he would run the devil off. He said, I'll pray that God will come shortly and activate your authority and that you, you would begin to crush Satan beneath your feet. You have the privilege of the enemy. You got to get that in your spirit. You say, well, how come I don't feel that way? Because maybe you need to rise up again. Shake it off. You, take, you say, I've taken, taken some hits. Well, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the human race. You can rise up. He can come. God can empower. And you can rise up again and begin to move in your authority. Now, Matt, I'm under Roman numeral number three. I know you probably don't know where I'm at at this particular moment. But in, under Roman numeral number three, let's just talk a little bit about the enemy and how we do this. All right, we're just reviewing some things. Now, we all know that we have an adversary. His name's Satan. He's been called the accuser of the brethren. Just reminding you that Satan is not, it's not like Satan and God are equal. And that, you know, it's sort of this, this dualism. That's not scriptural. Satan, let me, let me tell you, there is none like our God. No, no one is like our God. Satan and, and the Lord aren't even on the same playing field. Satan is a fallen angel. Now, don't misunderstand me. He's a powerful entity. And, and, and there should be a kind of, um, I, I don't know the right word, but, but, you know, to respect your enemy. I mean, he's been around thousands of years. He has a convoluted and twisted wisdom, but he's watched human beings for thousands of years. He knows what pushes your button. He knows how human beings can get in trouble. He, he's, he's wise in his twistedness. He's called the father of lies. People have asked me on occasions, they have said, well, well, why wouldn't Satan know that he's defeated? Why wouldn't he know that he has, he has no chance? He doesn't stand a chance. He's the father of lies. He's the father of deception. And, and here's when you know you're in deception. It's when you finally believe the lie you've been speaking all along. You know, some people lie and they know they lie and, and, and they don't believe it. They just know they're lying. But when you begin to believe your own lie, and that's what has happened to the enemy. He really believes he can usurp God's authority. He really believes that he can take Jesus out. He really believes. Sure, he's had setbacks, but he really believes that he can, that he can somehow garner whatever strength he needs in order that he might be the number one in the universe. How many of you know that's deception at its highest? He's the father of lies. When deception happens, it's when you believe your own lie. He's powerful, but he's not all-powerful. He's smart, but unlike the Lord, he's not all-knowing. You know what? You know, the enemy can't read your mind. You know what the enemy does? He just hangs around you and listens to what comes out of your mouth. And then he knows plenty about you because eventually we'll cough it up. 
Now, you have to understand, because he cannot be everywhere at once, because he's not omnipresent, he can't be everywhere at once. So he has this myriad of underlings, other fallen angels, that he has set up in this hierarchical order, almost like an army, with, with commanders and, and captains and lieutenants and, and, and sergeants, if we could even use these terminologies. But he set up this hierarchy, and, and they do his bidding because he can't be everywhere at once. So for most of us, in fact, I might say all of us, I don't know that we actually ever uh, fight or fuss with the devil. Most of us are probably fussing with one of his underlings. And that's what usually we're up against. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter whether it's the main guy or an underling. You still have more than enough authority in order to deal with that. All right? Now, in Ephesians 6.12, if you could post that, uh, Ephesians 6.12, familiar verse, it says, For we, everyone knows that's us, right? Because he's writing to the church. He's writing to the Ephesian church. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, people are not your problem. That's not who your problem is. You think a person's your problem. It's the spirit that's working through that person that's your problem. So we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but then he begins to enumerate this hierarchy. He says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, Matt, go ahead and go back and post those four things up there. Uh, no, back, back. Yeah, the rulers, powers, world forces of darkness spiritual forces of wickedness. These are uh, the hierarchical lineup of all of those that stand in order to implement Satan's evil strategy. Rulers uh, basically mean those that stand first. It has with it the jurisdiction of like a prince over a territory. Daniel chapter 10, we see Michael talking to Daniel and he says that he was contending with the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. Well, we're not talking about earthly princes there. He's talking about a prince, principality that stood over that region. And so there are devils that stand over large reasons. There's a devil that stands over Iraq, but there are, uh, there are sub-underlings that do their bidding. There's, I believe there's an enemy assigned to America. I do. I believe that. And, and that under that one, there's ones that are assigned over states and ones that are assigned over cities. I believe that there are, there are devils that are assigned over neighborhoods. How else do you explain parts of the city that, that seem to do well and there's peace, and then other parts of the city there's poverty and, and, and murder and strife and vice? I believe that has something to do with the enemy and who's standing over those uh, particular areas. But, but this is the hierarchy, rulers, powers, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness. And these forces, these demonic forces, have been assigned to exercise authority over different realms. Again, states, countries, cities, homes, individuals. We always, whenever we've moved into a new house, we've always been careful to make sure when, as we move in, one of the first things we'll do is, is we'll pray and, and we'll anoint uh, the house with oil. We do this ourselves. Don't call me up for a house anointing service. I won't come. Why, you say, why won't you come and do that? Because you have as much authority as I do to do this. Come on. And you know what? As soon as I leave, they're going to see me drive away and they're going to go hee, hee, hee and run right back in. Because they're going to say, he don't live there. So you need to rise up and you need, and we've done this all through the years. And, and, and it has brought about a sense of peace. 
We didn't know. I, I've told the story. This is years ago. We rented a house, and as soon as we moved into this place, there was constant upheaval in our house. It was unusual upheaval. And, uh, and so we were fussing, and then we kind of stopped and analyzed it, Trace and I did. And as we analyzed it, we said, you know, there's, there's, something, there's something more going on here than just we're just aggravated with each other. We did a little research on our, on our home. We, we didn't know anything about it. We were renting it at the time. And, and come to find out that that place was used as a studio for adult movies, pornographic movies. Uh, and then it was, of course, it was, it was run out or whatever they did with it. And then it was rented just as a place for people to live. Do you not think that there weren't open doors in the spirit realm in that place? I'm, I'm, if you don't think this is real, you can go about your business and you can call me a, a lunatic. But I'm just telling you, I'm giving you an answer because there's another dimension besides the one we're at. There, there's something that's going on. You don't, you don't get a, a charge to an adult website on the church credit card at 9.30 Sunday morning when you're in intercession. And you bring the men up front and the men are warring against the forces of darkness. You don't think that's not the enemy? Isn't that? Come on, wake up. Wait, how much revelation do you need to awaken to these things? Now, I've got about 10 minutes here to just give you just some quick bullet points as to what you can begin to do to implement your authority. That you can leave this place and you can determine that you will arise. God is in you. You will arise. He will cause you to arise. And as you implement this, and let me just tell you something. Battles aren't won instantly. We've got to get over this instant stuff. I mean, we've, we've got to learn to contend a little bit. And, and the enemy, you know, he contends. You'll win, but you've got to contend. So I'm going to give you, I think I, I wrote about eight things here. And let's just talk about this real quick. And we're going to pick up on this victory theme. Now, we're not going to spend time talking about the enemy on Sundays. He, he's getting more time than he deserves right now. But, but on Sunday, we're going to begin to speak the victory out and, and talk a little bit more in that area. But let me give you several things you can do because this is important in order for you to implement. Number one, you got to begin to change your mentality from relief to recovery. Some of you will fight until you get a little relief. And the minute you get a little relief, you stop. You fought your way just to a place where you can catch your breath. Nothing wrong with that because we need to catch our breath. But then you just stop. And the problem is, is when you get the enemy on the run, you got to keep him on the run. Once you get to the place of relief, I've watched, I've watched this through the years. People will, will practice precept and they'll get the place where they'll just have some breathing room and they go, I can stop now. No, you can't. That's the moment when you can turn it on and keep after him. In Psalm, I love, I love David in some of these early Psalms because he just, he's, a, he's a man after my heart. In Psalm 18, 37, listen to this. Listen to this. I have pursued my enemies and have overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. Next verse. I have wounded them so they could not rise. Can you imagine praying that prayer? <laughs> That's not a, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, kind of. I wounded them so they could not rise. They've fallen under my feet. Next verse. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. Keep going. 
And they cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Next verse. You know, I got 42. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the street. Isn't that a a cool psalm? I mean, that's not one of those nice psalms. I mean, that's one of those psalms that David's, David's praying and he says, I'm after my enemies and I'm done. I'm not, I'm not letting them up. I'm not letting them go. In fact, that Joshua reference, which I can't read, Joshua really, he puts kings, these kings as they're subduing the land in a cave. And then later he brings them out. He steps on their neck and he literally cuts their heads off. And he says, this is what you shall do to all your enemies. Now, we don't do that anymore under a new covenant because Paul said we wrestle not with flesh and blood, right? That's, that's why we aren't like Muslims who go blow themselves up and kill themselves because there is no life in the Quran. There's no redeemer in the Quran. It is dead letter. Islam is dead. That's why they kill one another. That's why ultimately it won't work. Jesus is the life giver. And Jesus himself can even go to an old covenant and he enlivens the promises of the old covenant within the context of a new covenant. And now we no longer fuss with people because you see the people of Islam are not our problem. Just using this as an illustration. It's the spirit behind Islam that's the problem. So we got we got we got we just can't we just can't cut treaties. We've got to go from relief to recovery. Number two, got to hurry. We've got to learn to speak out loud the word of God to do warfare. The enemy isn't going to move because you have right intentions in your heart. The enemy is not going to move in your life because you think certain ways, and you know God knows your heart. You got to get what's in your heart out of your mouth. You got to say it out loud. You've told the enemy all your problems. You've told him all your, your insecurities, all those areas that he can take advantage of. Now you got to rise up and you got to speak with authority. Matthew 16 and 18 says this. Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I, I pull that verse out because Jesus affirms Peter in what he had just done that that's what he's going to build his church on, and that's what's going to come against the gates of hell. What did, G, what did Peter do? Peter arose and spoke out of his mouth, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He didn't, he didn't think it in his heart. He just didn't think it in his head. He had to speak it out loud. And Jesus said, Peter, this is what it's going to take in the church in order to prevail against hell. You're going to have to start speaking some things out loud out loud. Now I want, I I know some of us that's really hard to do, but we're going to have to learn that spiritual things are activated by the confession of our mouth. And so you're going to have to learn how to speak out loud in order to activate the promises, the weaponry, the victory, everything God has provided. You're going to have to learn to speak that out loud. Number three, remember that praise is a mighty weapon in your arsenal. Psalm 149 says, let the high praises of God be in your mouth for it is as a double-edged sword that will break, you know, and subdue, break chains and subdue the enemy. Praise, let the high praises of God be in your mouth. I believe the high praises, you know, just aren't when you modulate to the next key. 
But high praises is when you press into a place where it's, it's, you're, you're praising beyond yourself. The high praises of God. You're, doing, you're literally doing spiritual warfare. And that's why oftentimes in church, when we praise and worship together, so many people find peace within the house of God. They find a, 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 really a sanctuary. They find their peace. They, they find a, a sense of, of safety where they, they can hear God and it's just peaceful. Why is that? It's because usually together we've praised God and we've worshiped and we've driven out that which stops you through the week from hearing and uh, potentially obeying God. Number four, I got to hurry. Angels are assigned to assist believers in the battle. Angels are assigned. Angels have an incredible part in this battle. And you know, angels are waiting to hear from you as well. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean we pray to angels, by the way. I had someone come up to me one time and they said, it seems like you're saying we pray to angels. No, I'm not saying you pray to angels. Um, uh, I do believe that, uh, if I can find it here real quick. Um, well, anyway, uh, I can't find it. But I do believe that as you pray and seek the Lord, that angels are listening for the word of the Lord. And they are listening for you to implement your authority and to begin to move in authority. In fact, Hebrews 1.13, let's just read that one real quick. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Give me that next verse, Matt, if you can. I think it may be the next one. No, no, not, I'm sorry, verse 14 of that Hebrews 1. Go back one slide. Hebrews 1.14, if you have it, I'm sorry. It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? I don't know about you, I'm an inheritor of salvation. So if I'm an inheritor of salvation, that means that there are ministering spirits that have been sent forth on my behalf to minister and to help me because I am an inheritor of salvation. Angels assist me uh, in the battle. Number five, uh, appropriate the blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11, it says this. Revelation 12, 11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to death. How did they overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb. And again, they had to speak out loud. So you appropriate the blood. Set the blood. I've often prayed this. I said, I set the blood against the forces of darkness. I set the blood against the, you know, the, the, the spirit of Jezebel or the, you know, the spirit of darkness, whatever it is you're dealing with. I set the blood against you. The blood speaks. Amen. Hurrying. Six, put on the armor of God. Don't have enough time. Read it. Ephesians 6, 11 and following. You got to every day put on your armor. How do I put on the armor? Just say it out your mouth. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I gird my loins. I, I, I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. Number seven, we use the name of Jesus. It's not authority just in yourself. It's the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 17. What does that say, Matt? Luke 10, 17. We read, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. How? In your name. In your name, in the name of Jesus. And then finally, number eight, and we'll conclude there. And like I said, we're just skimming the high watermarks on this. But hopefully it's causing you to remember, to be rekindled. And for those of you that have never heard, it'll at least get you started 
on the road to victory. You, you, you are not the enemy's punching bag. We have the ability to bind and to loose. How do you, how do you bind and you loose? It's your mouth. I bind. I bind the spirit of anarchy and I loose. I loose the Holy Spirit who brings peace. Be loosed, Holy Spirit, in this situation. That's how you bind and loose. You got to see everything is keyed into what you say. God, God doesn't roll up his sleeves and go to work. God, all God has to do to make anything happen is he simply speaks. He simply says it and it shall be. And we have been created in his image and spiritually in many ways we operate according to that pattern. That he has given us the ability to function in authority and to access spiritual things. But we think oftentimes we access it through self-righteousness and we just do a lot of stuff and it somehow impresses God. Listen, listen, there's nothing you can do to impress God. This is, it's a, your salvation was a free gift. Your salvation is life unto you which should present empowerment to righteousness and to holiness. Um, but it's your mouth. It is your mouth that got you saved. You confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that he was raised from the dead. That's how you got saved. You didn't work to get saved. Now, if you're in here and you thought you worked to get saved, we've got to untangle you because you didn't do anything. You, there's no, you can't do enough to get saved. You can simply say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I'm under a, a sentence of death. I'm under your judgment. But because of the mercy of God, I recognize my sinful state and I confess my sins. I confess my state. I accept your provision in my life. You say that and believe in your heart that he was raised in order to provide life to you. That's how you got saved. And if you can just remember that, that will carry you through every battle. Because if it took a confession to get you saved, it's going to take a confession to bring whatever victory will come your way, your way. Amen. And I, I, I don't even have time to get into silent prayer. You find that in the Bible. You know why there's no silent prayer in the Bible? It's because I'm not even sure that's prayer. I think that's probably meditation. I think that's probably meditation. I, there are lots of people go around and say, well, I just, I don't say anything. I just pray in my heart. Well, no, you didn't. You're meditating and oh, that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But you need to, but prayer is something that's said, something that's spoken. That's when activity happens. Your words cause activity, spiritual activity to happen. And your words are what you bring to the battlefield. When you go into the battle. Now we're going to spend a whole month that we're going to sow victory into you guys. I don't, this is just in me. We're going to sow victory into the people of God to where you're going to walk out of this place. And you're going to, I don't mean this literally. But you'll be like that little dog that gets off the chain when that big semi goes by and he wants to chase that thing down. And you say to yourself, what business has that little dog got chasing that gigantic semi down? Does he even know what to do with it if he were to catch it? And there are days you may feel like a little dog, but by the time we're done this month, you're going to be chasing semis. With full confidence that if you get a hold of it, you'll know what to do with it. Amen.
Come on, I'm looking across the congregation here. And I know, I know a lot of your lives, some of you are facing giants. Some of you are facing difficult situations. And you'd say to me, well, the devil may not be in this one, but it's got to be one of his top lieutenants. I hear you. Are you, are you ready to quit being a doormat? And instead of the enemy wiping his feet on you, that you arise, according to Romans 16, 20, and you put Satan beneath your feet and let him be the doormat for a while. Amen? Stand with me, all right? Praise God. Amen. God is great. God is good. We need to go to battle like we should. Amen. Come on, don't you... Don't just, don't let that devil of depression keep you down. Come on, give, give, give it a little fight anyway. Man, we just get a little discouragement and there comes out the white towel and the white flag. Come on, come on, arise again. Your God is great. He's in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Because he's in you. There very much lies the potential to do that which is exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. And it's according to the power that's in you. Lord, forgive us for, for minimizing who you are in our life. Lord, it's not you. It's never been your fault. Lord, we've minimized your power. We've minimized your ability in our life. And Lord, we just repent from that tonight. I repent from that tonight. And Lord, as you arise in our midst, arise in me. Lord, cause me to get my confidence back. Cause me, Lord, to get, to get my expectation back. Cause me, Lord, to hope again in you that there can be a brighter, better tomorrow. Because you have declared that it is so. And now I speak what you have said. It's not what I said, it's what you said. You said that I could pursue my enemies and they would not be able to rise. I believe that. If David could do it, I can do it. Hallelujah. We contend. We choose to contend. We, we're not backing up and allowing the enemy to steal promises and steal years. We're not allowing that anymore. But in the name of Jesus, we arise and we declare that, God, you're the restorer of the years and all that's been chewed up that you can renew and restore them. That, Lord, if we'll just run to the battlefield, if we'll just, we'll just run to the field and, and begin to just say, in the name of Jesus, I declare victory in this circumstance. I declare victory in this relationship. I declare victory in this forum. In the name of Jesus, I just declare every ministering servant assigned to me, go about and do the will of God and bring victory into this situation in Jesus' name. We contend with the devilment in the name of Jesus. We bind every dark force in Jesus' name. We cast you out. We tear you down. We go and pillage the strong man's house. You have stolen too much. You've stolen our joy. You've stolen our peace. For some of us, you've stolen literally things in our life. And we go into the strong man's house and we bind you in the name of Jesus. And we catch you as a thief and we declare that you must restore twofold, at least twofold back into the house of the righteous in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
And we will be relentless in this regard in the name of Jesus. This isn't about a 24-hour fix. This is, this is about longevity in the battle. We're not moving till we feel better. We're moving until there's victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, are you getting the picture? I know I'm noisy. You don't have to, you know, authority isn't being noisy like I am. You know, sometimes it just, that's just me. But, but authority is, is speaking what you know to be true. Lord, I just, I just say over the people right now, let, uh, let their authority in you be loosed. Let it be effectual. And Lord, now I pray that even as we wrap all of this up, that it wouldn't remain here in, in your house. But Lord, when they go home tonight to their bedrooms and when they wake up in the morning and they take in their showers, that Lord, inside of them, the victory will be stirring. And that they will speak those things which you have said and they are sure about. Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you. Come on, just begin to say, Lord, I thank you that there's going to be a distinguishable difference in my life. Come on, I want to see a difference. This is practical. This isn't just spiritual stuff. This is spiritual stuff that's got practical ramifications. Come on now. Come on now. Lord, I believe a distinguishable difference is going to take place in people's lives. Come on, we're anticipating that. Change. Change is happening. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the assembly said amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand clap. God bless you for being here. And uh, go out and do some damage to the domain of darkness, all right? Victory's in the camp. We'll see you Sunday. God bless.